Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Pawn Shop Chronicles. With special guest, Beth Benson. It's the chronic what calls a pawn shop. It's the chronic what calls a pawn shop. Get the, the fuck, out. Get the fuck out of here. I don't want to hear your voice for another 18 years. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Now I know why Stuart always looks so dead behind the eyes. <laughs> I'm fine, Beth. I am fine. Every day is Stuart coming in and saying, I don't know how we're going to start this episode of me saying, don't worry about it. That sounds about right. I... I love you, Jeff. I love you too, buddy. I covered some really bad movies. Yeah, well, it's not getting better. <laughs> this oh. movie is... I won't say it broke me, but it did leave a scar. Stuart did text me yesterday. I think this might be the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I think it is. I have to say, I was really excited to come on this podcast. I've been waiting for so long. And then I watched the movie. <laughs> and it really, yeah, I had to immediately go to bed. Welcome, uh, first time guest, Beth Benson, to talk about Pawn Shop Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's. it's... <laughs> It's the first time guest for me to get on this type of movie. I'm so sorry. You deserve better. You deserve way, way Yeah, way I was really, really excited. Jeff, new rule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> first time guests, we don't give them the shaft like this. Well, okay. I, <laughs> I feel like we have. Look, if it's a first time guest, we got to give some like preferential treatment. Yeah. But then like second time guests, they could cover like, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't do like first come first serve like yeah. we've been doing, but I'm saying if it's a first time guest, this is a pretty rough start. <laughs> Cause Beth, are you ever going to come again on this podcast after this experience? Um, well, what I'm hearing you say is that if I come on again, the movie is going to be worse than this one. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> probably depends on, on if it's another Fraser movie or if it's our next season. Yeah. Which, um, has yet to be released yet. Um, uh, this we pick this <laughs> off of title. Um, no knowledge of the concept. Correct. And when you hear a title like Pawn Shop Chronicles, you expect you're gonna get like a movie version of Pawn Stars. Yeah, that's kind of what I. It's thought. gonna be like two guys, and they're kind of like going around, being like, "Look at all this crazy stuff in this here pawn shop." It's not what you get, but that no. is what you would expect. Yes. Yeah. The, the pawn shop aspect of it is very, like, loosely in the movie. Yeah, it's, like, it's extremely loose. It's connection. 5% pawn shop, 95% chronicles. Yes. So, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <sighs> Bre Brendan's in this movie. <laughs> Brendan Fraser um, is in this movie. This is in his really rough 2013 run that we've kind of been talking about for a bit. Yeah, and I think we have... Uh, this is the midpoint of it. We have two more to cover after this. Yes. Uh, because right prior to this, he did A Case of You yep. and Hairbrained, which I said was maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and then he does this, 
And then he does Breakout and Gimme Shelter. Because uh, this is, as we know, at the tail end of his surgeries, at the tail end of his divorce settlements. Yeah. And at the tail end of his box office failures. 2013, without a doubt, from these movies that we have covered and the movies that we are going to cover is his paycheck year. Yeah. He does five movies to kind of frantically build up bank. Yeah, because he's not doing so well. And the inherent problem with that is that by doing all these paycheck movies, he is um, he kind of cashes in a lot of his cultural cachet. Yeah. And so when it comes time for him to be in, uh, like, when he starts wanting to do real movies again, people are like, no, you're like a direct-to-DVD action guy. You one, did Pawn Shop Chronicles, bro. I got one thing to say to you, Fraser. This is in the audition. 2013. Yeah. <laughs> Just that one year. I got one word to say to you. Elvis. Yikes. Uh, Beth, coming into this, what were your first thoughts as the movie kind of began? So I actually know exactly what. The first um, 90 seconds, I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> And then the title animation came yes. in. And I went, oh no. With a giant Confederate flag. And yeah. that was really, yeah, the first 90 seconds was pretty peaceful. <laughs> I mean, I had watched the trailer and I had heard that, Stuart, you said it was possibly the worst movie you ever saw. Yeah. So I didn't have high hopes, but up until 90 seconds, it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, everything really goes... I was in for maybe a little more like 20 minutes. So the Confederate flag business did not dissuade you? Well, it's it's set in a pawn shop in the South. I was expecting that there would be some Confederate flag business. Mm, okay. I was okay. expecting, all right, well, that will be like... It'll be jokes at the expense of like um, kind of your like hard right Southerners. I'm like, there can be some, there can be some comedy there. And there was some comedy there. And then the movie's like, what if... We dealt with sex slaves. And that's when it really lost me. It was it was the Elijah Wood sequence that really got to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, re- it took up to that point. Mm-hmm. See, for me, it was... It, I, I'd have to probably agree with Beth here that... Uh, seeing the Confederate flag, and I'm like, mm, okay, all right. I'm thinking like what you're thinking, Jeff. Like, all right, maybe this is just like at the expense of them, and then it carries into Matt Dillon just yes. brutalizing people on yes. the street. And I'm thinking like, Matt, come on. Yeah. You already played like the racist Captain Crash. Like, Yeah, Matt Dillon going zero for two in uh, Travolting episodes. He's probably a really nice guy. Yeah, by all counts, he's like a cool guy. <laughs> One would hope. Also, he just, like, did not look good in this movie. Like, he looked unhealthy. Yes. He looks unhealthy. <laughs> he just yeah. <laughs> a lot of people look very sweaty in this movie. Yes. This is a very sweaty film. Uh, on the topic of sweaty movies, <laughs> I'll quickly go into the context corner a bit for this movie. For Matt Dillon? Or? This movie. Oh, just Because this, this is kind of important for this movie. Okay. Um, talking about how this gets made. So this movie um, is written by Adam Minarovich, who was an actor on The Walking Dead. <laughs> That's what he's known for. He plays Makes sense. Ed on The Walking Dead. He never Wait, wrote... Wait, he was Ed? Yes. He's... He was the abusive guy who dies in season one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now this movie um, makes so much sense. This is the only movie he's ever written. 
and he writes the script around 2010, 2011. And it kind of just gets like passed around. Like no one really wants to make this movie. <laughs> oh my God. Um, it is eventually announced that this movie has a director. And they announced that Fred Durst is going to direct this movie. Oh God. The director of The Fanatic, a movie we've covered on this show previously with John Travolta. Oh, good Lord. A movie about what if a guy with a mental handicap kidnapped an actor and it was kind of funny. And then the movie is not funny. Movie is very. It's kind of just offensive. It's a very offensive film. And, but he, so he's hired for this movie and it's kind of like, it makes sense that he's going to do this movie. Yeah. Like this is a very like not politically correct movie for like guys who like want that kind of shit. The scene with uh, the two guys in the truck talking about why they are white supremacists screamed Fred Durst to me. Yes. That's like, this is the most Fred Durst scene. Well, I would say that's maybe the only scene in the movie that kind of gets at something where they're like, why are we white supremacists? Why do we hate these other people? And they realize there's no reason that they hate other people. They're just there for the free meal at the like neo-Nazi gatherings. But the, it, it tries to be that. Yeah. And then it, and then they go no, in there. I didn't say it succeeded. Right. I'm saying it's the closest this yeah. movie comes to having. That's a like point. why I think it's the most Fred Durst. Bit yeah. Because it's like a dude who's trying to be like yeah. not polit- politically correct, but then to make some kind of statement, but yeah. then like fail at the statement yeah. he's trying to make. Anyway, Fred Durst, who is the lead singer for Limp Biscuit, let, let us not forget. I forgot about that. Who uh, directed two other movies in his life. Um, he drops out. This movie is picked up by Wayne Kramer. Oh. A notoriously famous director who's done movies that everybody has seen. Like Crossing Over, Running Scared, and Mindhunters. But not, not, the, mind, not the Netflix Mindhunters. No, not the Netflix Mindhunters, the LL Cool J Mindhunters. Am I correct that he never directed anything again? Yes, this is the end of his career. Cor- <laughs> this good. Is good. I'm glad my Wikipedia search was correct. Yeah, that's good. This, that's... M- this movie is so disastrous that it ends his career. He never works again, <laughs> not even in TV. Justice. Yeah, <laughs> at least some justice is wrought. Yeah. Um. Why Brendan's in this movie, I can only presume is just because he needed money and this yeah. was a movie that was willing to pay. This is definitely a paycheck movie for him. Yes. Why was anyone in this movie? That's the real question I have. Is like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, like none of these actors are necessarily like massive names or anything. These are all people who do movies like this. Like they do like your kind of direct to video action movies. But at the same time, I have to ask, like, didn't they read the script? Like, Vincent D'Onofrio, Elijah Wood? Didn't they, like, put together that this might not be, like, acceptable? (laughs) Like, just, like, kind of offensive and reprehensible? Well, Crash was a movie that was released. Yeah, well, Crash at least is, like, composed as being, like, kind of woke when it's not. This doesn't even have that excuse. This is intentionally like, uh, let's make fun of like sex trafficking and all that. Yeah. Because it, it, at its core, this movie's just trying to be Pulp Fiction. Right. It's trying to be like redneck Tarantino Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And it does not succeed. Not in the slightest. It does not succeed. Paul Walker's in this movie. Paul, this is his last movie is released before his death. Sad. Um, in a well, Paul Walker died as a result of this movie. He was paying for his sins. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, no. Jeff. I won't say that. That's you just much. did on recording <laughs> tape, and I am not deleting it. No, you're not going to delete it. You're going to pay for it's your not, sins. It's not the last movie Paul Walker does. He does three movies after this, but he's dead by the time they release. Hours, Brick Mansions, and everyone's favorite, Furious 7. That is actually my favorite Fast and Furious movie needs to be set. Um, the one where Vin Diesel goes, if you thought this was going to be a street fight, you were right. And then he like punches the guy with a crowbar. We should rewatch the Furious, Fast and yeah, Furious good movies. movies. Uh, well, I mean, relative term. Uh, do we want to go into the plot of this? No. Beth, how are you feeling? Uh, what plot? Let's go through this opening that the 90 seconds were kind of selling. It kind of starts with a nice little shot. Well, it actually starts with like a comic book. It says Pawn Shop Chronicles comic book. And like you're like kind of like a deep Dueling south banjos, like, like your fucking generic ass cornbread south uh, southern music. And we go into the comic book, and it turns into real life of a freeway. And we camera pans with this truck that goes by, and then it drops down like thirty feet, and we pick up with another car driving underneath the freeway, showing that this movie has taken place beneath the realms of normal life. Jack this car to a pawn shop that is, for some reason, built right underneath the freeway. Uh, it's called General Lee's Pawn Shop, and there's some Confederate flags in the window. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that's set dressing. That makes sense. And then the title of the movie comes up, and it's like kind of it like kind of folds down like, like a, a CGI flag. Yeah, it's a CGI graphic effect. Yeah, see, like a CGI flag that's like kind of billowing in the wind, and it says Pawn Shop Chronicles with the big Confederate X through it. Yeah. Oh no. because when it's just the flags on the set you can be like okay like there there would be confederate flags on a pawn shop in the south but it's when they're going through the effort to render a cg image of a giant confederate flag that suddenly things become dicey yeah and beth this is where it lost you yes i was (laughs) like oh they are leaning in too far yes and yes, and I paused the movie and I went, oh, we're at about 96 seconds. <laughs> this is not going to be good. This movie is long. It is very long. It's, it's an uh, hour and 52 minutes. Right. It's just shy of two. No, most of these paycheck movies, Brendan's at the time, are like a crisp 90. Yeah. If this was a crisp 90, I'd maybe be slightly more into it, but not in like a real way. But this is about 20 to 30 minutes too long. Uh, because right away, we kind of go into the pawn shop, and we meet the proprietor of the establishment, Vincent D'Onofrio, playing Alton. Does he ever say his name in this movie? I don't think so. No. He's just pawn shop guy. Yeah, pawn shop. And he's having a debate with his friend who like just hangs out there about a black Santa Claus statue in front of the store. And that's when this movie, you're like, oh, no, in a real way. Because they're just, uh, he's just like, I don't want black Santa in front of my store. You can't just make Santa black. That's not who he is. This is the second gulp yeah. <laughs> that I've made in this movie. Yes. Gulp. And um, it it's clear they're just trying to do the pulp, like the Tarantino, like idle chatter dialogue, like the fucking Royale with cheese business in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Just like two guys kind of shooting the shit how they would. 
Except this just goes on for so long about Black Santa Claus. Because eventually what will happen is um, the fur is is the kid who comes in with his shotgun, right? Yes. And he like sort of sticks up the store, but oh no, I'm just trying to pawn off the shotgun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is like, I'll give you 20 for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> it's like, oh man, how about 50? No. 40? No. 30? No. 25? No. Oh man. And then he gives him for 20. Yeah. And so Vincent D'Onofrio gets a shotgun and this kid runs off with $20. Yeah. Um, Who plays this kid? Oh, it's Lucas Haas. That's who it is. It could have been Justin Long for all I knew. No, it's Luke. It's Lucas Haas who basically just plays like skinny little freaks in every movie that he's in. Yeah, it's his thing. Yeah, he's typecast. <laughs> he's typecast for sure. Nasty little freak. And then we cut to Paul Walker in this field. Yes, and he's like hallucinating. He's high on meth. Yeah, because he's a meth. Yeah, and this is the little addict. bit of the movie that I'm kind of like I don't want to say into. But like it has some juice to it. Don't be apologetic, Jeff. Say you love this part. No, I don't love this part. It has some juice to it. You you like this part. It's okay. Just say you like. Just don't be apologetic. No, I'm I'm being exactly how it is. Like it's an okay scene. An okay scene for a bad movie is like, you know, water in the desert. I'm trying to get him to say he liked this part. <laughs> I have it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say it. Beth, did you like this part? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I am not a movie. I have no technical knowledge about movies at all. Um, and so in order for me to notice like the camera work, it usually has to be like egregiously bad. And um, that was the case in this scene <laughs> that unfolds. Yeah. It's like doing all this crazy camera work for no reason. Like this parts where like we'll do like a swoop up and like come back down on a different character and like do a 360 spin. It's like the the camera's on cocaine. Not the camera operator, the camera itself. Yeah. Uh but so Paul Walker uh he gets a call from his other dude, his guy Randy. Randy and he's they're going to try to rob their drug dealer. Yes. Um I don't remember anything else about this phone call other than that. Uh, oh, he says, I'm still been hallucinating from that shit we took like yeah, three nights ago or whatever. So the, 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 the thing here is that Paul Walker and, or Paul Walker's playing Raw Dog. Yeah. I just want that to I, I actually wrote that down. I really enjoy uh, the phrase raw dog. I enjoy using it in everyday life in ways that it doesn't apply. Uh, that was the one redeeming thing about this movie actually. Is his name's Raw Dog? Yes. I do like it when you can just be like, I'm just going to go Raw Dog this day. <laughs> 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 um, but he's playing Raw Dog, and his friend Randy and him are going to rip off a meth dealer. And they're waiting for their friend, Lucas Haas, to come with some money for them. Yeah, and, uh, and the, his shotgun. Yes, and his shotgun. But he shows up. Uh, he shows up and he has sold the shotgun for $20. For gas money. Yeah, for gas money to get there. And as he's explaining this to Paul Walker, Randy comes in the truck and runs him over. <laughs> and uh, Lucas Haas is crushed by a, uh, yeah, a red truck. just obliterated. I do want to say, did you see the bump? I mean, you saw the bumper sticker. No. 
The bumper sticker on the back of this truck reads, at least Jesus didn't write Battlefield Earth. Oh, yes, I did see that. And I thought that I was that. interesting. Um, basically, just like, you know, you can make fun of our religion, but at least we're not Scientologists. Right. Yeah. Um, which nice, is a nice little poke. Yeah. I like that, especially because we've covered Battlefield Earth on this very show. Yeah. Uh, and so the he's like, you just, you ran over whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy's like, yeah, we ran him over. We don't need him. Split the meth two ways. Well, he said like, he stole money from me. Who told you that? The other guy. The other guy's a liar. Well, he said he saw it. That don't mean jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, well, gotta leave him. And that- so they take off to go rob their meth dealer. Yeah. Well, they go back to their house where that other guy is. And then there's like a scene that has no and does doesn't carry any weight to the plot. Yeah, they kind of just they, I, ye- they yell at him. They just yes. they just get there and they yell at him, and then they go try to get a gun from this other guy, but he just tells them to f off. And then they realize that they borrowed his yeah lawnmower and sold it, pawned it, and then got drugs. Around this time is when we get our first Brendan hint. He's yeah, like, there's a TV about a county fair that's happening that night. Yeah, and typing up there's an Elvis impersonator named Ricky. Ricky something Baldisky or something. Baldisky. Like um, and you kind of see Brendan, and he has a, a kind of good joke here. If Brendan was just limited to appearing on these TVs as an Elvis impersonator, I kind of be into it. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm I'm the king, I'm the KKK king. And he's like, oh wait, cancel no. that. Can we go back? No, I just want to say, God bless America. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest thing, he's not doing an Elvis voice. No, he's not. It's really annoying that he's not doing an Elvis voice until the end of the movie. And he barely does it, too. Yeah. Like, he's just talking like himself. Because if, like, if, if Fraser's talking like this, if this is his normal Fraser voice, his Elvis person is, like, talking like this. Like, oh, thank you, thank you very much. Like, right. it's not very... Well, let's, let's, be, let's be real here. <laughs> I'm a fan of the king. Are you? I like Elvis. Are you? Are you, fra- like, are you a fan of the movie? I love the movie. Yeah. I like Elvis... I like Elvis's music. I like Elvis the 1979 movie. I like Elvis the 2022 movie. You know what I don't like? The movie smirched the game of the king. I mean, I think the implication was supposed to be he couldn't do an Elvis yeah. voice, but I mean, are we buying that? It's not hard to do, like yeah, it's no. hard to do a singing Elvis voice, but it's not hard to do the Elvis voice. Oh, hold on there, mama. I was going to say Jim. Let me tell you, Lord Emerson. Like it's not my one was not even that great, but it's still like it works. I mean, if Austin Butler can do it, yeah, anyone, anyone can. Yeah. can. What this movie needs is Tom Hanks to come in <laughs> as Colonel Tom Parker and just be like, "Yeah, no, he." I fixed the movie. I fixed the movie, guys. At the end, when uh, skipping ahead a little bit, we'll get to this later. But when Elvis, when um, Fraser meets Satan, and he's just played by that like guy, you. That should Jake. be Tom Hanks as Colonel, Colonel Tom, Tom Parker. Parker. He's like, yes, I will give you money and turn you into Elvis. It yes. would be- have, you, have you seen the Austin Butler Elvis path? No. Oh, my God. So basically, like. Not just no. <laughs> he talks like Dr. Evil. Yeah, Tom Hanks plays Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis' manager. Okay. And in real life, this man is from, like, he's originally from Europe. But he moved to West Virginia and basically developed, like, a West Virginia accent. Okay. It has, like, a very slight hint of, like, Dutch. But it's mostly, like, he just talks like an American. Okay. In the movie, Tom Hanks decides, what if he is just a Nazi? <laughs> 
And every scene he walks into the scene, he's like, Yes, Elvish, we're going to destroy you. I will put poison in your veins. That's how we are at, really talks. Some people say it's the most disastrous performance of the year. I secretly think it makes that movie. <laughs> it's great that that movie just is like, you know what, we're going to cut through all the subtlety and just make Colonel Tom Parker a supervillain and Elvis a superhero. And that's the movie. Some people would say that's a, like you would say that's a redeeming quality. Other people would say that's a destructive quality. Yeah, some people say it's reductive. I think it is great. The fact that making Elvis a superhero, which I'm is a factually snowman. incorrect. No man, I infect everybody with the snow. Um, did you bring up this line of conversation just so you could do the voice yes. this much? Thank yes. you for being honest. To be perfectly frank, I do think this movie is drastically improved if Colonel Tom Parker is the Satan at the end of this movie. I think this movie is drastically improved for Fraser's career if he's not in it. As <laughs> he's much. not in the movie. <laughs> if he's not in it as yes. much. I, th- I agree with what you said earlier, Jeff. Like, his little tidbits on TV. Yeah, they're funny. They're kind of funny. But the fact that we spend, like, a whole act of the show with him yeah. was a bit much. Yes. That was like, that was where I was like, okay. Like, like I, I said, I love Elvis. I love Elvis impersonators. I think they're funny. Why is Brendan not that funny in this? He's, he's funny he's in not. the little splits, but then at the end, he's not funny. It's too What's much. What's going on? It's too much. Too much. It's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. Anyway, so the, the two meth heads... Um, Back to this. Back to the meth heads. Um, they go to. Um, they, go to they, they finally go to rip, rip, rip off their dealer, right? And the dealer, who's played by Norman Reedus, Daryl Dixon himself, from The from Walking, the Walking Dead. Dead, wearing a mask, a mask the entire time. We never see his face. He maybe gets off the best of any actor in this movie. Because you can't tell he was in it. Yeah, you never know. Although they put his face in the movie poster, though, for some reason. Yeah, his face is on the poster, but he's not in the movie. His face isn't. If I were, like, Norman Reedus' manager, I'd be like, take his face off the poster. Take his face off the poster. I don't. I take his name off the poster. Mm. I just don't want his name asso- associated with this movie at all. It's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Cobra Commander, where you can basically like, be like, I'm not in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he really isn't. Um uh, okay, well, that's a Doctor Evil yeah. villain right there. They're, they go and they're in like a little uh, three-way standoff with their dealer, uh, and then suddenly Lucas Haas bursts in with a shotgun. With a shotgun, yeah. How did he get the shotgun? We get we have a little flashback to him um, after being run over by the truck, body broken. Yeah, but he's able to get up for some reason. He's fine. Another truck pulls up to him with a license plate reading the man. And Thomas Jane gets out in like a cowboy hat, <laughs> and suddenly the movie just kind of goes into like, uh, like a widescreen aspect ratio from full screen. They do that a lot. In this yeah, movie. they keep doing that. And they it sucks. they switch and for uh, no reason. It doesn't. Yeah, there's no there's no value to it. Yeah. I, I thought my TV was glitching, <laughs> and then it happened again. I thought my TV was kind of glitching too, but yeah, it actually it was an intended part of the movie, which they carries no weight. Yeah. Like why they do it. There are like Tarantino does do that. Um, right, but it makes sense. Yeah, like he does it at, at like appropriate times. And I'm not saying Tarantino's like entirely innocent of like, you know, settling into style more than substance, but at least like he knows what he's doing when he does these things. This movie has no idea what it's doing. It's like, wouldn't it be funny if we just went into like a widescreen aspect ratio cuz we're like kind of in a western now? My other pro- problem with this, though, is you have a collection of these actors that have agreed to be in your movie. Yeah. So you have to think, 
how are you going to use them, right? And you have your list of your cast, what their utilizations are going to be, and how long they're going to be in the movie. And so you have your cast on one side, one column, and you have your characters on one side of the column. And it's just a matter of matching which one goes to which cast, right? Yeah. Thomas Jane gets the guy? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, because that carried no humor value to me yeah. whatsoever. But if Elijah Wood gets out of the truck yeah. and, like, gives him, like, a pump-action shotgun, that can be a little funny. Yeah, that would be a little funny. Or Fraser or yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. But Thomas Jane? Yeah. It was very odd. I will <laughs> say, I did find him a little bit sexy. But I don't think that was the point. Right. Look, Thomas like, Jane... The Punisher, he can get it. I just thought, like, you have a you have your collection of actors who agree to be in your movie. Surely, there's a better fit to be the guy who's like an the angel. man. Thank He's you. like, excuse me, the, the man. The man. Sorry, the angel. Is he like an angel of death? Is he a figment of the imagination? Is he a real person who just comes across people on the verge of death? Like, the, the see, I thought he was the devil. Right. Like, and then it, we got the devil. Like, I thought he was the Grim Reaper or something. Right. But no, it turns out that's a different person. And that happens <laughs> later. It just confuses the whole thing. <laughs> I'm so confused. My guess is he's supposed to be like God if he's the man or Jesus or something. And then Satan's at the end. I don't know. I don't know either. Thomas Jane was just. It, yeah, bumped, it bumped me it's a little weird. bit. It's of weird. like, uh, Thomas Jane? Like, fuck. It's a little bit like Bob Odenkirk appearing in Little Women. <laughs> that was a national reset out there. Like, that was a big moment for the culture. Where were you when Bob Odenkirk walked into Little Women for the first time? Oh, my God. Like, I can still remember everyone in the screening being like, is that Bob Odenkirk? What's he doing here? Better call Saul. God, I could, I could watch that I, my favorite video on the internet is the one where the overput the Avengers crowd reaction to Bob Odenkirk walking in the room. It's just like T Timothy Chalamet walks. He's like, "I have a little present for the March family," and you hear one guy go, "No way, no way!" And then Bob Odenkirk walks in the crowd, ah! and they all start screaming and losing their shit. Um, it's great. That's my favorite video. Yeah. So the Lucas Haas. Yes. He. He's angry at the guys, obviously, because they left. Understandably him to die. so. And so everybody's like, "If you, if you shoot that shotgun in here, it's gonna make this whole place explode." He's like, "I don't care," and he starts shooting people. Yeah. And so the first guy gets shot. Paul Walker's wearing a clown mask mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And then he runs into a sink drawer, and there's a gunfight, and then he. It it the scene leaves mid shootout, I believe. Like it doesn't show the explosion in this scene, but it's gonna show an explosion later. I think it just shows him like aiming a shotgun at the sink. Yeah. Like he's getting ready to shoot Paul Walker and then it cuts away. I'm pretty sure that's how it ends the scene. Yeah. But but we'll come back to it later. Yeah, it ends with that and then we get to Matt Dillon. You know, we go back to the uh um, the pawn shop. Yeah. And a random car pulls up. And in walks Matt Dillon and his new wife. Okay. Can you tell me this? Was the new wife, because I meant to look this yeah. up and I didn't. Was the new wife the sexy lady vampire villain from the first Twilight movie? Yes or no? I am finding out right now as we speak. Yes, it is. 
Is it? It is Victoria good. from the Twilight Saga. Good. The first Victoria. Wait, which? Huh? What's her name? Um, Rachel Lefever. You know what's funny? Can we quick Twilight Corner? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we've have we all seen all the Twilights? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, no, okay. Yes. Sorry, my, I'm just not making that connection. No, my favorite Twilight. thing about her is that she plays Victoria in Twilight and New Moon, and then in Eclipse she's recast with um, uh, what's her name? Bryce Dallas Howard, and she's killed in that movie. Good pull. But they've recast her in Eclipse. In the final Twilight movie, Breaking Dawn Part 2, they have these incredibly prolonged end credits where they go through every actor from every movie in the franchise. And they list them all out as like this big, like, the saga has ended moment, like in Avengers or Star Trek 6 or something. And at one point, they kind of go to a clip of Victoria and it says Rachel Lefever. And then it pans down and it shows Victoria again. It was <laughs> credit both of the actresses who played the character. That's pretty great. Uh, it is so funny when you watch it in hindsight. You're like, are they going to have to credit both of them? <laughs> and they do. And they do. Um, it's great. So, yeah, Matt Dillon and Rachel Lefevre, yeah. they walk into this pawn shop. They're a newly wedded couple. They're chronicling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they get and, and so Matt Dillon explains, hey, um, so I he explains this really long-winded story how they're on their honeymoon he went to an ATM to withdraw some cash, but then he got robbed, and so his debit card got stolen, and his cash got stolen, too. Like, they they drained his bank account. Mm-hmm. And he says, the bank's going to figure it out, but for the time being, I need some cash. Can we... And he offers his wife's wedding ring. Yeah. As collateral. As collateral to get, to get a loan. And they'll pick the ring up on their way back. Yeah, by that time, the bank should fix the problem yeah. or whatever. But as he starts selling getting ready to sell this ring he sees another ring for sale and mm. like how Beth, how would you describe this ring that he sees in the glass um uh, that's a great question because it's the, a strange ring the first w- w- we find out who the ring belongs to it's his his first wife and i go in my head i think did you love your first wife <laughs> <laughs> because this ring looks like something out of a vending machine. It really <laughs> it does, does, though. It's it kind of looks like a St. Patrick's themed gold band. It's very bizarre. Because I don't really see any diamonds on it. No, but it's got like these like clove things, and it does it have like a a dice emblem on it or something? Yes. Like it's from a Las Vegas, yes, like it's a casino shop or whatever. Like, it's a very strange kind of goofy ring, like, akin to, like, a ring pop. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but he, he sees it, and he's, like, shook down to his core. And he's like, where did you get this ring? Tell me where did you get this ring? <laughs> <laughs> he, like, goes full Bane. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, full Dark Knight. Where yeah. did you get the drugs? Yeah, and he's like, where would you get the ring? And he basically makes a deal that, he'll, that he will give Vincent D'Onofrio his... $11,000 engagement ring or wedding ring, the previous one. Yeah. Um, For that ring. For that ring. And pl- the car. And the car up front, which we got to talk about the car real quick. Oh, yeah. We skipped talking about the car. Yeah. Prior to Matt Dillon pulling up, Vincent D'Onofrio tells the story that a few days hence, he had been driving his like red 
uh, what'd you even call that beater car? Yeah. Um, yeah. around town, and he flipped off a large black GMC that's playing rock music, and the GMC has been hunting him ever since. Huh? Anytime he goes out driving, the GMC shows up and tries to run him off the road, like a phantom. That's haunting. That's not gonna come back later. Yeah, it won't come back at all. No. And so, and so he's trying to sell the car, uh, so he doesn't have to deal with this anymore. So he off. So he agrees to this deal. He'll take the wedding ring to give Matt Dillon the other ring and the car. And uh, so Matt Dillon, now in, like, Terminator mode. Yeah, he's full-on Terminator Dark Knight yeah. mode. Tells his wife, go home to Connecticut. I have something i got to do. Because he gets the oh, he gets the name of the guy who pawned the um, his ex-wife's ring, who went missing. Yeah, it's... J.J. Uh, J.J. Thompson or whatever. Yeah. And so he... we This is like... So, like, if the Paul Walker meth deal thing was, like, act one of the movie... Yeah, this takes up like two and a half acts because the Matt Dillon segment is a long segment because we go. He he tracks down JJ. Yes. To a restaurant. Yeah. He or... tracks down. Well, he tells his wife to go home and she's like, why? Why? You can't do this to your new wife. And he says, I already have a wife. Yeah. And he gets in the car and drives off. He tracks JJ down to a restaurant. Out in front of it, he meets like this tall um ominous looking guy who tries to pitch him something and he blows past him this is important it'll come back god i don't remember any of these details. he runs into satan out front oh okay um i'm trying to figure out the actor who plays satan in this movie he, i've seen him in other things before yeah he plays creepy dude in a lot of Always. things <laughs> um anyway so he um he goes in dj and he, qualls it plays jj yeah dj qualls plays jj also known as rat from the core <laughs> from 2003 the core with hillary swank and uh aaron eckert and bruce greenwood strange movie the core i should go watch can it imagine this is that guy yes he's a nasty little freak if uh who's that kid that's like eyebrows kid who's now like an adventure will if will poulter is eyebrows kid this guy's like nose kid all right Quick, yeah. Let's rank the nasty little freaks of this movie. <laughs> DJ Qualls plays JJ. Tom, Lucas Haas, who plays the first guy who gets run over. Vernon, apparently. And um, Elijah Wood as Johnny. Rank no. the nasty little freaks. <laughs> Elijah Wood at the top. What are you Definitely. Talking? What are you talking about? Uh, no, I'm just saying. We got to rank them. It's not even a question. It's Elijah. Who's number two? Who's the second of the nasty little freak ranking? Uh... Which one's Vernon? The Lucas Haas character. Gets run over by the truck at the beginning. Talks to Thomas Jane. I'd say JJ, then Vernon, then... No, those are the only three nasty little freaks in this movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will not I will not broach number four. <laughs> Beth, what's your nasty little freak ranking? Um, I'm realizing until this moment, I thought that the character that gets run over by the car and the little the the person that you're referring to as jj i thought those were the same they, they do look very they, similar they do be having some similarities yeah so i'm not sure they they do look very closely related to each other there are some similarities Nasty little freak territory. I, I go similar. Stuart, I go the same with you. I'm uh, I'm Johnny, JJ, Vernon. Yeah. That's my ranking of nasty little freaks. I don't really think Vernon did anything wrong. No, he just, just sold just, his shotgun for gas money and got lo- run over for yeah, it. But he he looks just like an seemed asshole. confused. 
Yeah. He's misguided more so than anything. Yeah. As JJ, many in the deep south are. JJ is weird. So he goes to JJ and he he's like, I need you to tell me where'd where you get you, this ring. Where'd you get this ring? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, I ain't telling you. So then he's like, okay, you that's how you want to play it. Starts to beat the shit out of him. Shoves him into a burning um, metal like pipe. Like he brands his cheek. And he brands his cheek. Then he opens up the coal pit Bust like he's about to shove him head first yeah. into this coal pit. He's like, me! Where'd you get it? Where'd you get it? No, he's, do- he's talking like this the whole time. Where'd you get he's it? He's doing a Batman voice or something. No, he's doing Thomas Jane from Crash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, uh, Matt, Dil- Matt Dillon from Crash. Matt- he's doing Matt Dillon He's just doing Crash. his voice from Crash. Okay. The movie where he's like, I'm a, I'm a cop, which means I'm racist. And at the end, he's like, I'm a racist is that cop. Part, is that part of the system? But I but I have good reason to be racist. Yeah, he's like, I have a good reason to be racist. <laughs> right? That's I'm, I'm justified. Yeah. But no, he's not justified. That's a good show. Um, they're not justified. Oh, right. Um, so he, JJ says, I got it. Or no, I stole it from my uncle. Yeah. Who you'll know who this guy is if you've also watched The Walking Dead. This is the same guy who plays Abraham from The Walking Dead. I don't actually know his name. His uncle Ben. <laughs> That's what his name is. His uncle Ben. Well, first, all all of us just went straight to uh, Spider Man. No, no, we go there, and Michael, Uncle Ben has been shot Michael, <laughs> on the side of the street. Peter, <laughs> Toby Maguire, inexplicably there. No, but it's Michael Cudlitz. You'll yeah. know him from as Abraham from Walking Dead. This is basically seemingly just a Walking Dead reunion. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but somehow Brendan Fraser gets cajoled into being a part of. Yeah. they probably had like, like. Some dirt. Andrew Lincoln was probably like, "No, I'm not going to be on this movie." Yeah, he's like, "I simply will not. <laughs> I <laughs> simply will not." Uh, uh, and so he goes up to him, and it, at first it looks like they're going to have like a reasonable talk. Yeah, because he comes out of his doorstep. Uh, ben has just like gotten home with groceries, and he's like, "Hey, I need you to tell me where you got this ring." It's like you can't just go to my doorstep and ask me questions. Like, all right, I'll give you a deal. You tell me where you got this ring. I'll tell you where I got this ring. He's like, okay. I won it at a poker game. It's like, who'd you win it, win it from? Uh, I won't tell you that. Where'd you get your ring? Uh, I got it from my wife and it was stolen. So, like, okay, well, I want that ring back, but you're not going to get that ring back. And you're actually going to tell me where you got it from. And then a fight breaks out. You know what the inherent problem with this movie is? The inherent problem? Yeah. Which one? What the biggest issue with this movie, none of these actors are from the South. <laughs> No. No. It's hard to make a movie about the South if there's nobody from the South in it. Norman Reedus is the only actor I can find from the South in it, and his face is never shown. Yeah. These are all people from California and New York. I mean, it just felt very much like a movie that's saying that all people from the South are dumb, racist, and addicted to drugs, and... It wasn't funny. Yeah, none of it's funny because, no, especially because none of these guys like they're just they're punching down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I recently watched um, a movie called Rosewood. It's like a serious drama set about the 1923 Rosewood massacre of a like a black community in the South. And as all like the you know because there's a lot of like white racist villains in that, they cast an incredible array of actual Southern character actors to play these roles. And it adds a lot of like emotion to the movie that these guys are kind of playing their history in like a negative connotation, of course. Yeah. But like, it feels authentically like evil 
Mm-hmm. And like in the moments when the movie, because it's directed by John Singleton, who did Boys in the Hood. He's a prominent black director. In the moments when he kind of like makes fun of these racists, it feels kind of authentic as they're making fun of themselves as Southerners. Yeah. This movie being like all Californians and New Yorkers making fun of the South just doesn't work. It's not funny. No. Like, what am I supposed to do? Watch a, like, um, fucking Elijah Wood make fun of, like, being a Southerner? This is Frodo Baggins we're talking about here. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so him and, uh, well, I forget the actor's name. He plays Ben again. The square-headed guy. Yeah. The... They go back and forth for about five minutes just going, yeah. it's my ring. No, yeah. it's my ring. No, it's my ring. And eventually, uh, eventually, um, the cop, not Matt crash. Dillon. Matt Dillon. Jeez. Oh, wow. Sorry, guys. Uh, Matt Dillon gets the upper hand and smacks his head with a brick. And uh, he finally he he finds out that it was Johnny Straw, Johnny Shaw, Johnny Shaw, Johnny Shaw, who he won the ring from. And then he knocks him out, maybe kills him. I don't know. Um, goes into his house, finds a phone book like Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator style, finds Johnny Shaw, finds his address, steals a rifle off the yeah. shelf. And then before he walks out, he sees a flail. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to take this flail. Yeah. So he takes I'm the, taking the flail. Takes the flail, takes the rifle, rips out the page with Johnny Shaw's address, and he's on his way. Mm-hmm. We then cut to Johnny Shaw's house. Yeah. And he goes in. Penny seat. Just a, a trigger warning for our audiences if you're not into hearing, you know, plot points about sex workers and or sex tra- traffickers and sex slaves and shit like that. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Uh, he goes in the house and he finds Elijah Wood sitting on a couch masturbating to porn. Did you notice that the porn has him in it? I did not notice. This. Yes. Yeah, and it's his own porn. Ah. And as cool. you, this is also funny, isn't it? And as you find out later in the movie what he's been doing, that it makes it even more yeah. kind of gruesome and yeah. pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and before he goes and he and mutilates Elijah Wood, he looks in the fridge and he sees a picture of his wife at the top of like a pyramid of Polaroids. Yeah. Um, he's like, okay, my wife, this guy knows where my wife is. Yeah. And so he ties Elijah Wood up using fish hooks in his mouth to kind of like rip him open at the four corners. Yeah. And tie and like has him stretched out in the room. And then he takes a hammer to his teeth that are now exposed. Yeah. And he's like, tell me where my wife is. And keeps assaulting her or assaulting him. And then eventually Elijah's like the first silo out back. So he goes up back and he finds his wife in a cage in the silo. A dog cage. A dog cage. Inside a silo. And she doesn't want to go with him. And he starts being like, no, you just you just have Stockholm Syndrome, babe. Come on. Because he's such a cool guy. This is like really just terrible. Like, this yeah. is awful. <laughs> she's, it, yeah, because she's not wearing any yeah. clothes. This is like it's too, got like a hamster water yeah. thing. This is like too serious of a topic to be funny about remotely. And the movie is like frames it all as this weird like he's a hero for doing this, but he's also got some yeah. problems. Yeah, because he's like, babe, babe, you're just, you're just having Stockholm syndrome. Just come with me. You're fine. You're fine. And then he goes back inside the house, and kills we, Elijah, kills Wood. Elijah Wood, 
Uh, supposedly. And, supposedly. And then comes back to the silo where his wife is. And it's like, all right, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. And yeah. she's like, but I'm number one. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm number one. He lets me in the house. I'm number one over the others. It's like, there are others. Then he takes her outside. They go to the other silo, opens the door. There's a whole fucking pyramid of yeah. women in dog cages. Yes. He lets them all out, but doesn't like call the cops or anything. He just no, let, he or, like any social worker. No do, one. Nope. Nope. He just lets them out like you're free now and then leaves. Yeah. And then his wife stabs him in the car because he says he killed Elijah Wood. Yeah, because she she's saying that like I can't. I'm not allowed to wear clothes. Yeah. He's like, you're allowed to do anything. And then they both die on the side of the road. So I think it's important that he's like screaming at her. In yeah. The car. He's like, cause she says he, she's like, Johnny doesn't let me leave the house this long. And he says, well, we don't care what Johnny wants. Johnny's dead. And then she calls him a bastard. And he's like, Oh, I'm the bastard. I'm the bastard. I just saved you. Blah, 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 blah. Six years. And he's like yelling at her and screaming at her. And it's, uh, <laughs> if this, I'm laughing, it's because yeah. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> this is where the movie goes from just bad to morally like reprehensible. Yeah. Because th- this is like a real thing to like, that is already difficult enough as a movie to approach. Like movies about, there aren't that many movies about Seth trafficking because it's a very hard topic to like, you know, treat with the correct respect and like attention yeah. that deserves and throwing it offhandedly in the middle act of a three-part comedy about a pawn shop is not the way. Yeah. Um, because this is all like, it's just like the, I could not enjoy any other part of this movie after this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you think that's it and that's all that we're going to see yeah. about this plot thread, you're mistaken. Yeah. It comes back at the end of the movie. Yeah. Cause then the movie just shifts to an Elvis impersonator plot line. Yeah. Yeah. She, one thing to connect, like, cause a guy, and it does a pulp fiction thing. Yeah. Where, like, she stabs him out of anger and then he wrecks the car. They both die. And then, well, he, she stabs him. He almost runs into a, uh, the two rednecks. The two rednecks who are about to rob a meth dealer, uh, Paul Walker and that other guy. Yeah. Connecting that thread. And then they hit a tree and they both die. And that's the end of that plot thread. It's great. It is uh, uh, a thing in a movie. Yes. That they did. Oh, God. And, you know, then it's just like, what if Elvis was an impersonator? It's like, it just cuts to the Elvis plot line. Yeah. They had to make a more, they had to make like a decision together in the room. Like, okay, then what comes after that? Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. yeah. Brendan Fraser's Elvis. Yeah. Uh, the subject of this show. Can you imagine Brendan? The Fra- reason we have to watch this movie. You imagine Brendan Fraser it. watching this with like a group of friends, and he's like, "Okay, my part's coming up, guys. My part's coming up." And then it goes through the whole Elijah Wood sequence. Yeah. He's like, "Uh, my part should be coming up after this." And then they die, and then it cuts to him. He's like, "Okay, now this is my part." Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, how uncomfortable yeah. that would be. How do we feel about Brendan in this movie? He's bad. Beth, as a non-Fraser acolyte, how do we feel about Beth or uh, Brendan? Uh, he was, he was not good. Um, unfortunately, because the rest of the movie is so horrible, it makes him seem more talented by comparison. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I would say he was probably the least worst part of the movie. That's actually, that's a good way to put it. Because he does, like, the thing about Brendan that we talked about is he does have, like, a natural charisma to him. So any scene in this movie when he appears, you're like, oh, yeah, there's some juice to this. But, like, it's, like, as much juice is left in your little thing here. That's how much juice is he's bringing. Jeff is lifting up an empty bottle of my buy boost. It's juice. not empty. There's like a few it's drops. Like a there's some backwash there's in the bottom. In here, yeah. Just no, that's how much juice he's bringing. Right. Um, his plotline I can summarize very quick because nothing happens in it. Yeah. He's a wannabe Elvis impersonator. His girlfriend leaves him. He can't afford the coffee at a diner. Um, he's trying to like sell tickets to see him that night. No one wants to buy them. Um, and then he decides he wants to get a haircut for his show. Yeah. Because his sideburns are uneven. And uh, there's two barbers in this entire town. And they reference this early on in the movie where it's like, oh, I don't trust that guy. He's a doc guy. Yeah. He gets his haircuts at docks. Yeah. How good can he be? You know, this seems to be like, like it's making fun of the whole like polarization aspect. Yeah. That instead of this town being split between like Democrat Republican, they're split between who goes to docks and who goes to cooks to get their haircuts. So Brendan Fraser gets to like these two barbers are next door neighbor storefronts, mm-hmm. and the townspeople surround him and watch what decision yeah. he makes. And he's looking back and forth. He's like, oh, I guess I'll go to docks. Yeah, getting her on with a guy named Doc is what he says. Right. He goes into docks. There's some dudes hanging out. Yeah, there's some guys hanging out. And uh, he sits in the barber chair, and Doc, like, takes off a bit of his uh, sideburn. But he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just want to trim. I just want to trim. He's like, well, I don't know how you get your haircuts done in the city, boy, but uh, here in South Carolina. You know, I guess this is in South Carolina. This is in South Carolina. Which is not really deep south. Yeah. I thought it was Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> it, according to the Wikipedia, it's inexplicably set in South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina, like, inner South Carolina is, like, pretty. Okay. Um, but it's not deep south. It's like kind of. It's not swampy south. It's kind of swampy south. Have you been to South Carolina? Yes, it's many, kind of, many times. It's like kind of swampy south. Okay. Kind, uh, kind of. Kind of. I think of like Savannah, Georgia or like... Savannah is a gorgeous town. Get out of here. Yeah, but it's swampy. Yeah, but in like the good way where there's a dancing croc, a dancing alligator who like brings you to, <laughs> who brings you your meals, or like I don't know New Orleans or some shit. Like it's just it's just not like it's not deep south, deep south. Yeah. Stuart's like this movie, uh, South Carolina is not nearly like grimy enough for this. You know where we should go? Savannah or New Orleans, notoriously <laughs> grungy cities. Slander. <laughs> Sorry, like maybe they should go to like. Tallahassee, Florida, or whatever. Yeah, no, that. <laughs> then that's, now we're talking. Now we're talking grimy. But that's a different kind of yeah. Uh, deep South than yeah. the Fl- one that is attempting to be referenced in this movie. Yeah, Florida's almost taken out of the yeah. Deep South conversation because Florida's Florida. Yeah, Florida's, Florida's not like its Deep own South. Florida's part of the its, country. Yeah, it's got its own little lore yeah i do want to say i was kind of just ribbing you for saying this movie was filmed in louisiana yeah so he goes to docks and yeah he freaks out and he's like well you know if you don't like this you can go over to cooks or whatever 
And so he gets he gets out and walks over to Cooks, and he's like, "That dude's crazy." Walks into Cooks. It's really the exact same. Yeah, like, it's just a mirror of the same place. Yeah, same so, exact guy is like sitting there. So he goes to Cooks, and he's like, "Yeah, I just want the shave." This crazy guy, Doc. He was like, "Wait a minute, did you go to Doc's first? It's like, well, yeah. Do I look like Swappy Seconds, boy? Right. And so then he cuts his back of his yeah. neck with a razor, and he's like, "The hell!" That'll be twelve dollars. Yeah, that'll be twelve dollars. So then he just like patches on a fake little small yeah. patch of sideburn himself and then he goes on to the county yeah, fair Brendan. show and, so and the people are beating them beating the shit out of each other in the street over the fact that he went to both barbers yeah because yeah, like i guess in this time you pick one or the other there is no there is no going to both you have yeah. to keep maintain balance which we find out from the satan figure because <laughs> satan shows up at some point and he's like, I want to offer you a deal, blah, blah, something, yeah. something. Your soul for, I don't know, talent, just, talent, fame, whatever. And Beth, I do want to say that I think that is like actually like maybe one of the few well-handled jokes in this movie. Because like he's just like sitting in the chair and in the background through a window, you just see like a massive fight breaking out. Yes. And it feels like the one time this movie has a visual gag to tell. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah and so he goes to his performance and if we could describe his elvis impersonation his performance in the show what would we what would we say well he's not even lip singing to it no he's just he's got a dumb small little stereo that he puts the microphone up to there's these like old ladies that have like little sparklers and fireworks and he's doing like just some random poses Mm -hmm. and it's all going to shit yeah and eventually, you know, he can tell, like, this is over. Yeah, the audience is booing him. They're throwing tomatoes. Yeah. They're uh, storming the stage. <laughs> and uh, so eventually he looks off stage, sees Satan yeah. in the background, and he points his fingers like, I'll take the deal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the whole stage shifts, becomes like a massively decorated set. Yeah. And then he gets background singers who just show up. Yeah. And then, like, a whole new speaker system plays Amazing Grace, from, yeah. uh, the Elvis version. Amazing Grace. That you can clearly tell he's like, it's not his, like, version of Amazing Grace. Brendan Fraser isn't doing an Elvis impersonation to sing Amazing Grace. Thank you, Jeff. Like me. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Stuart's trying so hard to cut you off. Trying really hard. But now you really can't. I can just turn his volume down. All right. He's cut off. Nice. Way to go. um, So, so yeah, he starts, he just lip syncs to like the Elvis version of Amazing Grace. And the audience is crying. Yeah. Everybody's going bug nuts crazy. And then, but. Beth, would you like to describe what is happening in the background of him performing this, of people coming into the fair? Yes. Uh, so, unfortunately, um, the group of women who were being kept in cages um, walks out of the woods, and uh, they're all naked. They're still naked. Um, and they start walking through this county fair. Um and uh, an older man wraps them all in um, yeah. American flags. Yep. <laughs> and they go stand at the front of the stage to watch this performance. And 
we've all lost our will to live. Yeah. Because at one point, even Fraser asks the guy at the end of the performance, like, oh, those those gals in the American flag dresses, is that you guys? I thought they were part of your show. But, like, yeah, literally, it's... it's I don't even know what the movie is trying to say yeah. uh, here. Can I intercept real quick? Sure. This is very important. Okay. As we were discussing this about um, six minutes ago, I received a text message from my dad, and he sent me a video of an Elvis impersonator. Oh, my God. <laughs> that he is currently seeing live. I think that's crazy. That that just worked out like that. That's a sign of providence. We're meant to be here today. Poetic justice, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know what the movie's trying to say about these women who were kept in cages all these years and then wandered onto a county fair, dressed in American flags, and then propped up in the front of this Elvis Presley impersonation performance. Um, it's not trying to say anything. It thinks it's really funny. Yeah, if I believed that the people writing filming this movie had any sort of good intentions i could read an intent and a message in this but you're absolutely right jeff it's not saying anything the 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 filmmakers behind this think that this is all like just ain't it crazy this shit happens in the south isn't that funny it's not funny um because you know brendan's performance becomes incredible the house explodes from the meth shootout earlier behind his stage. That turned into like fireworks. Yeah, shooting off fireworks. Um, He like brings the town together, Doc and Cook hug. So the movie's trying to say that like all of the things that happened in this movie are all building up to this performance that's been concocted by Satan because Satan rules the South. I truly believe that Satan actually directed this movie. Probably. I think that's a real possibility. He almost did. His name is Fred Durst. (laughs) Um, We then cut away... And um, Elvis's girlfriend. This is when the movie like really just goes like so beyond redemption. Because this, he gets this signed. was the moment it goes beyond redemption. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> no, this is like this is like utterly despicable. The ending, um, where uh, Fraser's like girlfriend who he broke up with earlier shows back up and wants to get with him, and he's like, "No, no, hold on there, Mama. We're not doing this no more." Except um, he doesn't even do that. And then he walks away. You know who saddles up? Elijah Wood. Johnny. Wait, what? Did you black out at this part of the movie? I think I did. Yes. I missed Elijah Wood is not dead. <gasps> he comes back. <gasps> no. And he tells her, hey, come with me. Um, I got no! a cool. What? And he- then he. Did you just turn the movie off? You guys the... are lying to me. No, no. this is all. A and ch- then he this is all a prank. He says, "You can be my number one girl." <gasps> and then he looks at all the other women lined up in the flags and goes, "I've been looking for you, girls." And snaps his finger, and get they all the follow van. him. No, this does not happen. This happens at the end of the movie. No. Yes. No. <laughs> Stuart, how did you miss this? This is literally the end of the movie. I must have completely blacked out. Yeah, because I was totally not. If I'm laughing, it's because I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he he walks away with them. I I have to say, for the last, so this uh, 
movie is nearly two hours long. Yes. And for about 90 minutes of that, I was in the fetal position. And this is the point at which I have to put my head between my knees. Mm -hmm. Because why? Yeah. Like, if you... Are you looking at the end of this movie right now? Um, I have to watch it. If you did not, like... This movie... I'm trying... Like, what the fuck do I even say about it? Like, this movie almost is like... Haha, well, we had that weird middle part, but now we're back to the funny stuff. And then it, it keeps insisting upon bringing this plot line back. It couldn't just let it go. Yeah. Stuart is watching the end of the movie uh, on his phone. Sorry, I'm, I'll, yeah. I will turn the volume down. You guys can keep keep doing I mean, that's, this. Thing. That's the end of the movie. It ends, thankfully. Uh, one of the worst movies we've ever covered on this podcast. Would, Stuart, would you agree with that? Yeah, without a doubt. I didn't even yeah. know this was the fucking ending. Yeah, Beth, you've you've uh, you haven't seen that many movies we've covered on this podcast, but would you agree it's probably the worst, one of the worst ones we've covered? Yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I think there is uh, no doubt mm. in my mind. I would like to, from both of us, firmly apologize again that this is the movie you had to. Come I here texted to talk Jeff about. and I was like, "Did did Beth?" pick this or was this just like a like a last resort choice unfortunately both but it was a uh i genuinely thought it was going to be like a little slice of life potentially bringing in pawn stars type of energy um and decidedly not i'll never make this mistake again (laughs) I wish I'd watched this movie further in advance to give you warning, but I only watched it last night. Yeah, same here. I am ashamed that I watched this movie. <laughs> I am ashamed that Tubi now says that this movie has been streamed one time. Yes. Uh, you you did have to watch this on Tubi, didn't you? Stuart's watching the scene on his phone right now. Yes. This movie is so bad, you have to go to Tubi to watch it. Stuart, my God. Oh, my God. It's real. <laughs> oh, my God. He's actually missing all his teeth and shit. Yeah. Oh, and he stabs his finger. Oh, my God. Stuart, we, so he's told you this. We told you this. I don't know what else to say. I, 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 I. Um. Uh. Even talking about this movie has. I. Uh. uh has. My mood now is so terrible. <laughs> yeah, I've been kind of waylaid by this. My skin, like I want to crawl out of my own skin. This is the sort of film that makes you lose faith in humanity yeah because even one person somewhere thought that that it, that it was a good idea for this film to be made yeah it's the kind of movie where you're just like maybe this was a mistake and i'm not talking about this podcast i'm talking about movies in general maybe, maybe they were a mistake maybe humanity was a mistake yeah. that's how i felt <laughs> we should all just go back to the primordial muck uh from whence we came i will say 
I uh, spent about 45 minutes under the covers in the dark after watching this movie um, reporting content and trigger warnings on doesthedogdie.org. Is there a... Is that an actual website? Yes. I might not... Let me make sure I have the... Yeah, you're correct. Here it is. Yeah. Crowdsourced emotional spoilers. On Shop Chronicles. I'm looking it up. Oh, my God. Just, like, the worst fucking movie. Um, it may... Are you okay over there, Stuart? Okay. Stuart can't processing. Like, you guys... I was contributing. Like, you know I watched this movie. Yeah. I no, was you clearly watched some, the movie. But I just... Blocked, Maybe you blocked it out. I must have blocked it out of my memory that that ever happened because I thought, no fucking way that's how this movie ends. No fucking... <laughs> uh, gracefully, this movie, massive flop. Yeah. Gets good. disastrous reviews. Makes a grand total of $10,000 at the box office. 10000 too much. Yeah, which is not enough money to pay a like single person to work on this movie. I'm like sad that I contributed like $3 a rental yeah. fee for this. Should have gone with Tubi. Yeah. The best streaming service. I don't want to watch any ads. Though. It's like watching cable. Um, yeah, movie comes out, complete disaster. Um, just contributes to Brendan's disastrous 2013. Um, his next 10 years of struggle are in recompense for this movie. I have to say, I don't really know if anyone who who had a part in this film should have ever worked again. That That's honestly a very real, like, that's understandable. I want Elijah Wood to answer. I'm calling him out. <laughs> Elijah Wood, atone for your sins. I want to, f- we all, I think, deserve a formal response. Yeah, mm-hmm. we deserve a formal response of why you even agree to do this movie. I want the notes app apology. Yep. He posts like, I'm fucked up. <laughs> you know, you know, like celebrities do that. It's like, I fucked up. Yeah. I'm calling on all our Travolta listeners. Yeah. To all... Everyone tweet at Elijah Wood right now and be like, why'd you do a Pawn Shop Chronicles? Yeah. And then he deletes his Twitter. <laughs> Dead serious. Yeah. I've, oh. Wow. I really was so excited to be on the podcast. Yeah. We were excited. Jeff knows I've been asking to be on this podcast. For so long. Jeff, how could you do this? I didn't know. I didn't know. This is your fault. It is my fault. It is your fault. I was like, I'm going to go get to shoot the shit with the boys. It's going to be so great. Instead, we talk about a most morally reprehensible movie. Which one's worse, Jeff? This or White Man's Burden? Uh, This. Yeah, I agree. This is worse than White Man's Burden. This is maybe a slightly... No, actually, I'm not even going to say that. Um, What were you going to say? I'm not going to say it because there's no value in what I was about to say. Kind of like this movie. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's it. That's <sighs> sure. Fucking that's, is. that's pawn shop chronicles. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're even still here at this point, <laughs> yeah. I hope you're not. Yeah. Um, God, um, please remember to rate review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, Pop into Reddit, r slash Twitter at Trolting Pod, Trolting Podcast at gmail.com, 
at Jeff W. Sweeney on Twitter. If you want to you know, tweet at me, why'd you do this? Movies were a mistake. Tweet at tweet at Travolting Pod. Movies were a mistake. If you've listened this far, um, please right now do that. Um, special thanks as always to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Boding Smith for the theme music. Anything else anyone wants to say before I gracefully wrap this up? No. Uh, tune in next week for our episode on Breakout. Uh-huh.